Welcome to all those who are joining us online. Glad that you are with us. A couple of announcements for us. Ladies, we're really excited about our upcoming Bunko Night happening on Monday, May 8th. And so we would love to see you there. It's called Bunko Mania because it's going to be awesome and it's happening in the month of May. And if you do not know what Bunko is, it is like one of the easiest dice rolling games. You need really no skill, no game talent whatsoever. Come and be with us. And one of the benefits to it is you get to meet a lot of people because you are rotating from table to table. If you've never played, we will teach you the rules. So would love for you to join us for that and would love for you to invite friends. So invite your friends, neighbors, coworkers, maybe people who don't yet come to Christian Assembly or Bible study, but we would love to see you guys there. That event is free, but you do need to RSVP on our website so we know that you're gonna join us. And then we also wanna remind you that our Revive Conference is coming up this weekend for our young adult community ages 18 to 35. Many of you were at our women's conference, you know how awesome our conferences are. So if you are 18 to 35, or if you know someone who is, we would love for you to join us. There's still time to sign up so you can sign up on our website for that. Uh, we also do an optional offering here at Women's Bible Study, and your table leader will have an envelope and more info on that. But just so you know, um, all money donated towards the offering just goes towards some of the costs associated with Bible Study, like the video and tech and the beautiful Bible Study books and all of that good stuff. And then finally, we just wanted to quickly make you guys aware of two different Thrive and Recovery groups that we have here at Christian Assembly Church. And if these are of interest to you, feel free to get involved in these. But we have a group called Her moms, mending hearts. This is a 10-week group that's going to start meeting on Thursday nights, and it's really just a safe space and community for women who are experiencing different tough emotions with regards to difficult decisions that their children are making. So, that group is available, it meets for 10 weeks. And then we have another group called Beauty From Ashes. This group also meets on Thursday nights. And this is a group specifically for women who have a partner, so your husband, your boyfriend, but who have a partner who is dealing with sex addiction or pornography. And so this is a group for women to come and a safe space for you to talk. And there's also a focus on spiritual growth. So if you want more info on that, talk to us or you can get info on our website, but we just wanna make you guys aware that those groups are happening here at Christian Assembly. So all that to say, we are gonna jump in. Uh, we are in John 17, and I am excited to dig in with us tonight to John 17. So just to give us a little bit of context for this chapter, this chapter includes uh, Jesus' longest recorded prayer. And so up until this point, Jesus has just had one last meal with his disciples. He has just finish speaking to his disciples. He knows that he is about to be betrayed by one of his own disciples. He knows that in less than 24 hours, he's gonna be crucified and killed for nothing that he himself did. Jesus is about to leave the world and he's gonna leave his disciples in the world. And it's in this moment that he takes time to pray. And again, this prayer in John 17 is the longest recorded prayer that we have of Jesus in the Bible. And there is so much that could be said about John chapter 17. But tonight, what I want us to look at and what I want us to focus on is I want us to look at what we can learn from John chapter 17 about how we as followers of Jesus can and should live in the world. And the main point I want us to focus on is this. Believers are called to live in the world, but not for the world. So as believers in Jesus, we are called to live in the world, but not for the world. We are called to live for Jesus. And so that's what we're gonna look at. But before we do, would you join me as we pray together? 
So God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for each woman who's here at Bible study, Lord. God, I just wanna even take a moment just to pause and be still before you, Lord. Would you prepare our hearts? Would you prepare my heart, Lord, as we get to dig into John chapter 17 tonight? And so Lord, whatever each woman here or watching online brings with them, good stuff, hard stuff, challenging things from the day, I just pray that you would hold those for us and that you would speak to us and help us to be attentive to you and to hear from you in this moment, Lord. So we just take a moment to be still and to pause and be quiet before you, Lord. Father God, we invite your Holy Spirit to be so present with us, Lord. Would you speak through me? Would you speak through your word? Would you speak to every woman here tonight, Lord? in a way that only you can. We pray this in your great name, Jesus, amen. All right, ladies, we're gonna jump in. We're gonna read the first eight verses of John 17. They'll be on the side screen. So it says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. So these are the first eight verses in this prayer of Jesus that we read in John 17. And Jesus begins by saying, the hour has come. Jesus is about to be betrayed. That's what he's talking about. He's about to be betrayed and he's talking about the fact that he's gonna be put to death as an innocent man, that he's gonna die on the cross for our sins and be crucified and then resurrected to life three days later. And so in this moment, Jesus asks the Father to glorify him. And when we talk about the glory of God, we are talking about the majesty and the splendor and the beauty of God. One commentary says that when we talk about glory, it's actually talking about God's display of divine goodness. So to glorify God is to call, or sorry, to glorify something is to call attention to the beauty of something, to the goodness of something, to praise or to honor something. One commentary I read said that when Jesus prayed to the Father that he would be glorified, when he said, Father, glorify me. One commentary I read said, Jesus is praying that his death would highlight who he is, what he came to do, and the character and glory of the Father. But what I also love about this is that Jesus asks that the Father would glorify him so that Jesus could in turn glorify the Father. Jesus's goal has always been to glorify the Father. In everything he did, Jesus wanted to bring glory to the Father. And for those of us following Jesus, for those of us who have said yes to Jesus, our purpose and our goal in this world should be the same. First Corinthians 10:31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Not do some, not do most, but do all to the glory of God. That means that everything we do and say, 
Every movie we watch, every book we read, every conversation we have, every action we take, every word that we say, every conversation we find ourselves in, every comment and post we make on social media, every word that comes out of our mouths, we should do all of that to the glory of God, to bring him praise and honor, to put God's goodness on display and to show the world how kind and faithful and good and loving our God is. And so my question for you and for me is, how are we doing with bringing God glory in this world? I know for me, this past week, I was playing croquet, which didn't know could be such a competitive sport. I was playing croquet, friendly kid, game with my husband and kids in my front yard. And if you know me, I really like to win games. And if you know me, you also know that I strategically choose to only play games that I think I can win. And I think that's a really good move on my part. But unfortunately, in this recent game of croquet, I was annoyed by something my husband had done, a rule that he had made up that to me felt so unfair and just made no sense whatsoever. So I was annoyed by that. And that was also frustrated because my husband and kids had chosen to set up the game on our front yard, which is a very steep hill. And I could not, for the life of me, get my croquet ball up that hill. And so I was losing so badly to both my husband and my twin six-year-old boys. And I don't like losing, but in that moment, I did not bring glory to God because, <laughs> because I played with a really bad attitude. I kind of stood there and said nothing. I gave my husband the cold shoulder because I was so mad at this unfair rule. And honestly, I was just so annoyed. And every five seconds I was like, I just want to quit this game, but I can't model that for my, quit my kids. And at one point I tried to quit and I walked over and I was like, I can't be that person. So I went back and kept playing. So I did not glorify God in that moment, but I was able to glorify God later on that day when I apologized to my husband and I said, hey, I am so sorry for that bad attitude I had. And then later that night in the car at In-N-Out when I was able to say to my kids, hey, you guys, I did not do a good job today playing croquet. I had a bad attitude. I did not set a good example for you guys. Can you please forgive me? We will never be perfect at bringing glory to God here in this world, but as believers, we should strive to do everything we possibly can to bring God glory and praise and honor and to point to his good name and to the salvation that can only be found in Jesus. As believers, we are called to live in the world, but not for the world. And so my first encouragement for us is this, use every moment you've got in the world to give God glory. Use every moment that you have in this world, as a believer, to give God glory. That means every job, every relationship, every decision, every thought, every word, every action, every paycheck, every croquet game, use it all to give glory to God. How did Jesus give glory to the Father while he was in the world? Well, there's lots of ways that Jesus gave glory to the Father. But one of the ways he brought glory to the Father that we see in John 17 is by doing the work that the Father gave him to do. And we read this earlier in verse 4. It says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And I love that line. That line really stands out to me. It's so powerful and beautiful that at the end of his earthly life, Jesus is able to say, Father, I accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And he says it humbly and confidently, but he's honestly able to say, Father, I accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Everything that you asked me to do, I did it. And I wonder for us, when we get to the end of our earthly lives, 
when all is said and done, will we be able to humbly and confidently say, Father, I accomplished the work that you gave me to do. I did everything you asked me to do. All the people you asked me to love, all the opportunities you gave me to share the gospel, all the times people wronged me and I forgave them, all the times I saw people in need, all the times I saw different opportunities to be your hands and feet in the world. I did the work, I accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Now the truth is, none of us are gonna be able to actually say this because none of us are perfect here in this world. We've all made mistakes and we will all continue to make mistakes as long as we live in this world. But could we get to the end of our lives and be able to say humbly but confidently, Father, I did a lot of the work that you gave me to do here in this world. I did most of the work that you gave me to do. I did the best I could with the life and the resources and the gifts that you gave me. If you're a Christian, if you've confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do you believe and do you know that God has good works for you to do? Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love this truth that God prepared in advance good works for us to do. And I wanna clarify, we do not do good works as a way to earn our salvation. Our salvation is a gift from God. So we do not do good works to earn our salvation. The only way to be saved and made right with God and forgiven for our sins is to place our trust in the work of Jesus on the cross and in his resurrection. But for those of us who are saved and who are believers, we do good works as a way of glorifying God and being on mission with him. Now some of us, when we hear the word work, we think, yes, put me to work, put me in. I love work, let's go, let's do this. That is how I'm wired. If you know StrengthsFinder, I am an activator on StrengthsFinder, as is Sarah Ann. So we're just like, let's go, let's work, uh, let's make this happen. And for others of us, we hear the word work and we think, oh gosh, now I have one more thing to do. I have one more thing to add to my to-do list. We hear the word work and we feel pressure or we feel guilt or we feel this idea of just like, oh, that's so weighty, it's so burdensome. But what if doing good works for God's glory isn't something that you're pressured to do but rather it's something you're invited to do with God and for God. What if by doing God's God, good works, you are honoring God and glorifying him and doing something that has eternal significance? And what if some of the joy that comes with following Jesus actually is found when we do the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do? May we not feel an unhealthy pressure to work harder and do more but may we feel a healthy conviction to work as much as we possibly can for God's glory and his kingdom as long as God has us here in this world. So as believers who live in the world, but not for the world, my second encouragement for us is this. If you are in the world today, then God has work for you to do. If you are in the world today, then God has work for you to do. And if you don't know what that work is, I want to encourage you to pray and ask God to show you the good works that he wants you to do. Ask him to bring opportunities into your life for you to do good works that will bring glory and honor to God. 
If you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, everyone who gives their life to Christ is given at least one spiritual gift, a gift of the spirit that we are to use to build up the body of Christ and to be on mission with God. If you have never heard of spiritual gifts or you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, I wanna encourage you, take a spiritual gifts assessment. I think there's one on our Christian Assembly website. If you can't find a good one, find me. I have one that I really love, but take a spiritual gifts assessment. Or if you're not sure and you want help discerning that, talk with me or Coley or Tanya. We would love to chat with you and just pray and discern with you. What are the good works God's inviting you to do? And how is God calling you with your unique gifts and abilities and talents and skills? How's he calling you to be used in this world for his glory and for his kingdom purposes? So if you are a believer in the world today, God has work for you to do. And please don't hear that as a pressuresome thing, but hear that as a beautiful invitation to be on mission with Jesus. I want us to read the remaining verses of John 17. It says this, I, Jesus says, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All yours, all mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So in these verses, Jesus prays for two groups of people. He prays for his disciples and then he prays for future disciples. So he prays for people who in the future will decide to commit their lives to Jesus as their Lord and the Savior. And what that means is that if you are here today and you have given your life to Christ, or if you're here today and you're investigating faith and you don't yet know that you're gonna give your life to Christ at some point in the future, but you are, God, or Jesus has prayed for you. This prayer that he prays in John 17, he's praying for you and he's praying for me. We were some of the future believers that Jesus prayed for. In verse nine, when Jesus said, I am praying for them, it's worth stopping and considering who could you and I make that statement about? Who could you and I honestly say, I am praying for them? Who are the people in your life that you are regularly praying for? 
It's natural and easy for our prayers to focus on us, for me to pray for my needs, my desires, my challenges, my marriage, my kids, my decisions. It's so easy for our prayers to focus on us. But who are the people besides you that you are praying for? Who are the people that you can say, I am praying for them? One of the areas in my own life where I've wanted to grow in more recently is the area of prayer. And specifically, I have felt so overwhelmed in just not knowing how do I keep track of all these different prayer requests? How do I pray for all these different people? How do I pray consistently for people in my own life? How do I not forget them? And then I've tried the route of like, let me just add them all to a document and it works for like three days. But then I end up with a four page document and then it's overwhelming. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. So I've really wanted to grow in my prayer life. And so I asked a friend and a mentor recently recently who I just trust as a faithful, consistent prayer warrior. And I said, hey, can you give me some of your best tips on how you pray specifically for others and how you lift up your requests to God? And one of the things he shared with me that has been so helpful to me, and so I want to share it with you as well, is he said when it comes to praying for people, he prays in circles. He prays in circles. And what that means is when you're bringing your prayer request to God, you might start with your smallest circle, which would be you. So you might pray for your needs, what's going on in your life. It's helpful to tie your prayers into things going on in the day. Maybe you've got work meetings happening, a coffee date, maybe you've got Bible study meeting that night, or you're meeting up with a group of friends. But you start with a small circle, and then you slowly expand, and you make your circles bigger and bigger and bigger. So from you, it might go to praying for your husband or your boyfriend. It might go to praying for your kids. And then from there, it might go to praying for some of your friends or your coworkers or your women's Bible study group. And the circles keep expanding. So at some point you might be praying for the church and our staff and our pastoral leaders and you might go beyond that and say now I'm going to be praying for God's kingdom to come in the world. I'm going to pray for our kingdom partners. I'm going to pray for the persecuted church. I'm going to pray for missionaries and for God's gospel to go out all over the world. But I've been doing that in my own life. In my daily quiet times, I've started to implement what my friend encouraged me to do, to pray in circles, and it's been so helpful to me. And there are now things and people that I can honestly say, I am praying for them. I'm praying for you. And so ladies, who are you praying for? And how can you be more intentional about praying for others? Jesus in John 17 tells us who he's praying for, and then he also tells us who he is not praying for. And he says, I am not praying for the world. And it's true in this moment, Jesus is not praying for the world. But this doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray for the world or that Jesus didn't care about the world. It was just that uh, in this moment, on the night before his crucifixion, Jesus was praying for his own followers and he was praying for future followers. He was praying for his disciples that he was gonna be leaving in the world. He was leaving the world, but he was leaving his disciples in the world. And why was he leaving them in the world? Well, we're gonna see that in just a minute, but he was leaving them in the world to carry on his mission to reach the world. Jesus clearly loves the world. And when John's gospel talks about the world, it's talking about a world that is opposed to God. John 3:16 says, for God so loved the world, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God 
literally sent Jesus into the world because of his great love for the world. And then Jesus loved the world so much that he sent his disciples into the world. And we read that in John, we read that in verse 18. It says, as you sent me, this is Jesus, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. The Greek word for sent means to be sent with a purpose. So this is where we get the word apostle from. An apostle is a sent one. So just as the Father sent Jesus into the world with a purpose and a mission, Jesus is now sending his disciples into the world. And Jesus also sends us as well. If you are a believer in Christ, Jesus has also sent you into the world. In a recent sermon at Christian Assembly on one of our weekend services, I remember Tom said, there is no such thing as an unsent Christian. There is no such thing as an unsent Christian. If you have professed faith in Jesus, then you've been sent by Jesus to be his light and to be his hands and his feet in this broken world. There is no such thing as an unsent Christian. And yet, if we're honest, sometimes we live as though we are unsent Christians. We live like we have nothing to offer, or like God couldn't use us, or like we're too busy and we've got way too much going on to be used by God. If you are living like a sent Christian, then you know that you have been given the ministry of reconciliation and that there is work to be done for God's glory and his kingdom. And if you're living as a sent Christian, then you are probably seeking out and praying for opportunities to share your faith and to point people to Jesus. But if you're living as an unsent Christian, you probably think that there is no work for you to do here on this earth. Maybe you're really focused on your own growth and your spiritual development, but you are not focused on the work that God wants you to do here so that God can reach the world through you for his glory. If you are a believer in the world today, then God has work for you to do and he has sent you into this world to be his light and to be on mission with him. So if you are a follower of Christ living in this world, but not for the world, then my third and final encouragement for us is this. You've been sent to be in the world, but not of the world. You've been sent to be in the world, but not of the world. And we see this in John 17. Jesus literally says, I do not pray that you should take them, he's talking about his disciples, out of the world. Jesus wants us as his disciples to be in the world. He just doesn't want us to be of the world. And what's the difference between being in the world and of the world? I think it's really a question of identity and where you place your identity. Whose are you? To whom do you belong? Where are you putting your hope? Who or what do you look and sound and act like? Where are you giving your time and your money and your gifts and your abilities? Romans 12:2 says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't be conformed to this world. We're supposed to be in this world for this season, but we're not supposed to be imitators of this world. So don't imitate this world, don't conform to this world, don't try to act and sound like and fit into this world. And why? Because if you have confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you don't belong to this world. You're not 
part of this world. You're in it, but you actually have new life in Christ. You're a child of God. You've been adopted into the family of God. Your sins have been forgiven. You are light that God wants to use to point people towards him. You're called to be on mission with him. You've been made new and you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you to work in and through you and to empower you to live a life of holiness and to empower you to be on mission. So we're not sent into this world alone. We're sent into this world and we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us as Christ followers to help us do the work that God's called us to do. So as Christians, we need to be in the world, but not of the world. And as you do that, one quick reminder I have is something that Jesus says in John 17, 14, and we read this earlier, but he says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. And I don't share this to discourage us. I share this to give us the reality and the truth of what it's like to live in this world, but not of the world. Because according to God's word, the more you live in the world, but not of the world, you might actually be hated by the world. So don't be surprised by that. Expect it, be ready for it. I had a conversation with my husband the other day because he got into a huge argument with someone because they were talking about faith and my husband loves talking about Jesus and this guy is so far from being interested in talking about Jesus. And he's telling me how this fight happened and all this stuff this guy's saying and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not surprised, like he's of the world. Jesus told us people might hate us. People hated Jesus and so they might hate us too and that's the reality of being Christians who live in this world but not of this world and the truth is our goal is not and should not be to live for the world or to please the world. Our goal is to live for God and to please him. So as followers of Jesus in this world, we are called to bring God glory, to do the work that God has for us to do, and to be in the world, but not of the world. Those are my three encouragements from us that I think we see in John 17 when it comes to the world and how we as believers are called to be in this world, but not to live for this world. And so what I wanna do right now is I just wanna give us a few moments to create space for God to speak and to invite God to help us respond to what we've read in John 17 and what we've heard. And so you can put your notes away, you can take whatever posture is comfortable for you. This is just between you and the Lord, but I wanna invite you to take a posture of prayer. And you can even close your eyes, because again, this is not about your neighbor or about anyone else here, but this is about you and the Lord. And so I just wanna pray and invite us into three different ways or a few different ways that we can respond. So God, we wanna pray that you would speak to us right now, Lord. God, that you would move in our lives and in our hearts, God, in our minds. And God, whatever you wanna encourage us with, whatever you wanna challenge us with, however you want to convict us and move in us, Lord, would you do that now? through your Holy Spirit, God. Help us to hear from you and to be attentive to you. And so a few different ways to respond. I shared three different ways that we can live as believers in this world, but not for the world. And the first is use every moment you've got in the world to give God glory. And so just ask God to speak to you on that. Ask him to convict you of ways 
that you have not lived for God's glory. Ask him to bring to mind ways that you are living for God's glory. And if you can honestly say, I, I want to live for God's glory, then just take a moment to pray that for the first time or the 80th time and just say, God, use me for your glory in this world. And then the second thing we talked about was if you are in the world today as a believer, then God has work for you to do. And so just take a moment and both talk to God about that idea of work. And if there's any negative experiences or wounds or things that come with that or reasons that that word work just gets to you, talk to God about that. Ask him to speak to you. And then I also encourage you, just ask God, Lord, what are the good works that you're calling me to do? Who are the people you're assigning to me? What, what do you want me to do in this world to live for your glory and to be on mission with you? And then third and finally, you have been sent to be in the world, but not of the world. And so just talk to God and ask him, Lord, are there any ways that I'm living more like the world than you? Are there any ways I'm finding my identity in the world? Are there any ways that I am living of the world? And just ask God to speak to you on that. And then I also wanna give an opportunity for anyone who is here and you've never said yes to Jesus. You're living in the world and you're living of the world. You've never become a child of God. Your sin has separated you from God. You've never been made new. You don't currently live in a right relationship with God, but you want to and you're ready to and you're tired of living for this world that does not satisfy and you wanna start living for God. You want your sins to be forgiven you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And if that's you, I wanna give you an opportunity and a moment to say yes to Jesus and to receive him as your Lord and Savior. And if that is you, I wanna remind you that that means many, 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 many years ago, Jesus prayed for you. If you give your life to Christ, then you're one of those future believers that Jesus prayed for in John 17. 
The Bible tells us that each and every one of us was created on purpose and for a purpose. We were created by God and for God, and he loves us so much. But we've all sinned. We have all made mistakes. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, his glorious standards. And the penalty for our sin is death. That's what God's word says, that the wages for sin is death. But for all who place their faith in Jesus, we don't have to pay that penalty ourselves because God the Father sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world to save us from our sin. Jesus went to the cross, he died. He was an innocent man, but he took our sin upon him. He took our punishment and penalty upon himself and then he rose from the dead. He was resurrected three days later and all who place their faith and trust in Jesus will be saved and made right with God and forgiven for their sins and will receive the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so if you're ready to place your faith in Jesus for the first time, you can just pray this prayer. You can pray it silently or out loud after me. And if you are here and you've already given your life to Christ, I just want to encourage you in this time to pray for future believers, like that model that Jesus gave us in John 17. Pray for those who will confess Jesus right now or online or tomorrow morning and pray for those who will confess Jesus in the future. So if you're ready to confess Jesus for the first time as your Lord and Savior, you can simply pray and you can say, God, I confess that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Forgive me for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sin. And I believe that Jesus rose three days later. I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want your forgiveness for my sins. I want to be made right with you and I wanna live for your glory. So I am committing to follow you, God, all the days of my life. And if you prayed that prayer, we welcome you into the family of God. You are no longer of this world. You're still in this world and God has purposes and mission for you in this world, but you're in this world and not of this world. You are part of God's family. And so if that's you, your next step is to get baptized and we would love to follow up with you. We were not designed to do the Christian life alone. And so we would love to support you and be with you as you continue in your faith journey. So would you let your Bible study leader know? Would you let me or Coley or Tanya know if that's a decision that you made. And so as we close, let me just finish and pray for us. God, thank you so much for all that you have done for us through Jesus Christ. God, thank you for Easter. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for Jesus's death for our sins. Thank you that your salvation is a gift that we could never earn, we could never strive for, we could never work hard enough for, we could never boast about, Lord, but it is your gift to us. God, thank you for every person here who has said yes to you. Thank you for every person who made a recent decision to follow you. Thank you for every person here who's here investigating faith. And they're not yet sure who you are, but thank you that they're here, God. And I pray for them that you would open their eyes to the truth of you and your gospel and what you've done for them. And I pray that in the days and weeks ahead, that they would be some of the future believers that you prayed for ages ago, Lord. And God, even as you prayed for future believers, we pray that same thing. We pray, Lord, for all those who will come to follow you in the years and decades ahead, God. 
And we pray that you would bless them and protect them from the enemy and the work of the enemy. And God, we pray that you would use them for your glory and your mission and that you would do the same for us, Lord. So God, we pray all this in your great name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.